and welcome to Reading by Flashlight. I'm Allison, and today we're going to be going over chapters 31 through 36 in Daughter of the Deep, Rick Riordan's new book. If you haven't watched previous episodes, I'd encourage you to go do that before you watch, listen to this episode because there probably will be spoilers. But without further ado, let's get into the book. So, chapter 31 kind of starts out like this. My whole life has led to this moment. My parents sacrificed everything. I lost my school and my brother. My classmates risked their lives to cross the Pacific Ocean. Generations of Dakars, Hardings, and other HP graduates have lifted me onto their shoulders, living and dying in the expectation that someday a descendant of Nemo might once again board his submarine. And now all I want to do is to run away. She says, first, I believe that my parents had died in an accident, that I was told that they died recovering a priceless scientific artifact, and now I'm being informed that this artifact is actually a living thing, and it killed my parents. Maybe on purpose, maybe not. Gee, we really don't know. Oh, and by the way, it's right through this door. Would I like to meet it? And she's like, eh, I don't know about that. And Ophelia's like, come on. And then Elena takes Anna by the elbow and says, I got you, let's go. So they walk into the central vent of the volcano, and the sheer stone walls soar upward, and it's kind of forming like a cone-shaped cathedral of black rock. And so she feels like she's standing inside a giant hollowed-out chocolate drop. There's no floor, just a pier jutting out in a wide circular lake. And above us, above them, there's dozens of dragonfly drones buzzing around. And they got metal wings. They got jeweled eyeballs. Like, are they for surveillance or are they just to provide light? Are they programmed to kill? Or, you know, like, what are they for? Like, dragonflies can be dangerous, okay? They can be, probably. I don't know. And she, Anna says, the Nautilus is like nothing I've ever seen. It's difficult to me for even thinking of it as a submarine. So... Modern ones kind of have like sleek black tubes with barely any surface profile, just like a gentle curve on the top side and a single con tower or a sail. And the largest ones in the U.S. Navy can be over 600 feet from its nose to its rudder. That's about the length of two football fields. And the Nautilus is about half that size, though that still makes it a very big ship. And it appears to be like tube shaped. Like she remembers Jules Verne describing it as like a giant cigar, but it neither it's neither black nor low profile. And its hull is made from interlocking panels of pneumonium and it like glistens, like it's shiny. It's got intricate coils running on all sides, and you know, it looks like this old but very advanced ship, which is not something you see every day with ships. And she's like, I can't imagine how a hole so complicated and delicate looking could have survived intact since the 1800s. It looks like the skin of a sea creature, something between a lionfish and a dolphin. And she's like, even more unsettling are the Nautilus's eyes. I can't think of what else to call them, really. Set in the ship's bow are two transparent convex ovals, latest, latest with metal gr- girders like the compound eyes of an insect. Okay, this is some, like, advanced ship parts. I don't know what you'd want to call it. This is an advanced submarine and this was made in the 1800s. And it's like, this should not exist. This definitely shouldn't be seaworthy. And Ophelia shrugs her shoulders and she's like, and yet it kind of is. And she's like, here it is. A high-tech century and a half old work of nautical art docked in the middle of a volcano. Yep. Nilana says, but it's in perfect condition. 
You repaired it in two years, just you and Luca? And Ophelia snorts, and she says, hardly. The exterior needed a lot of cleaning and many minor repairs, but the whole self-maintaining. And when Nemo died, the sub sat in the bottom of this lake and buried in silt, and went into a state of estivation. And Esther said, it's like an African lungfish. They can stay underground and suspend in animation for years. And Ophelia looks pleased, and she's like, exactly so, Esther. The Nautilus went into self-preservation mode, kind of. It was mostly dormant, using electrical currents and water circulation around the hull to maintain its integrity, but that doesn't mean there wasn't damage. There were leaks. The inside of the ship wasn't flooded, but she puts her hand to her nose as if, like, waving away a bad smell. Then Anna chooses to blur out her most annoying question. How did it kill my parents? What happened exactly? Ophelia says, we successfully raised the ship. We moored it just where you see it now, though at the time it looked more like an island of mud. And your father wanted to open the main hatch immediately. He was perhaps incautious. The door began to open for him and he pushed his way inside. He was just over the threshold when... And she stopped talking. And Anna says, what? When what? Like she wants to know. She said, there was an electrical charge. He died instantly, Anna, and I doubt he even knew what hit him. Your mother, however, she rushed in to try and help him. She grabbed him while, of course, you know, the electricity would have coursed through her body too, maybe not killing her instantly, but causing massive internal damage. Ophelia said, we could not save her. And then Ophelia's like, I'm sorry, her last wish. And then Anna guessed, cremation? The underwater gardens of Nemo, you scattered their ashes there. Ophelia said, I wish we could have given you and Deb more closure. The circumstances were complicated, and she pointed to the black pearl necklace. Sita left that on board our research boat, and she never dived with it. That's why it survived, and why we could send it to you. And Anna says, all right, where's the entrance? It isn't very obvious where it is, so, you know, she has to have help to find it. So, Anna's kind of in, like, a state of shock right now. So she can't really hear and realize when Ophelia asked her a question. And Anna's like, what? And Ophelia says, do you want me to go first inside? Like, it might be safer if... And then Anna says, no, I'll do it. Nalina shifts uncomfortably. And she's like, Anna, are you sure you should? And she says, my father was a shark. Ophelia is an orca and a shark. Luca is a cephalopod. All of them would have seen the Nautilus as a prize to be opened and explored. My mother, Sita, was the only dolphin in the group. I doubt she had time to think or act like one when they raised the Nautilus. My father was too impulsive. He rushed in and died, and my mother tried died trying to save him. And so, Anna starts to speak in Bundley and says, Hello, Nautilus. That was Nemo's native tongue, so he would probably have grown up speaking that, along with English. And so, if he had spoken any language to his creation, it probably would have been that language. So, she says, I'm Anna Dakar. I know you lashed out when my father woke you. You killed my parents. I don't think I can ever forgive that, but I understand you were probably confused, scared, and angry. And she's like, the submarine did not respond, obviously. She says, my ancestors, the one who called himself Nemo, he left you alone for a very long time, and I'm sorry for that. The thing is, I'm the last of the Dakars. I'm alone and unique, just like you. We're kind of each other's last chance here. I'd like to permission to come aboard and i promise i'll do my best to respect to you and listen to you if you'll do the same for me and if you refrain from killing me that'd be great and she's like well there's only one way to find out if this works she steps onto the ramp and she's not electrically immediately electrocuted so that's a pretty good sign and so she tells the nautilus thank you i'm coming aboard 
and she steps over the last threshold her parents ever crossed. Chapter 32 starts off like this. Two things I don't associate with submarines, elegance and air fresheners. So from the main hatch, a circular stairwell descends into a grand foyer that looks more like part of a cruise ship than a working sub, and she half expected a steward in a white uniform to offer her a tropical beverage. So then there's these large cursive ends in a circle of black wreathed by golden squid, and underneath it was the motto mobilis and mobile, and it's Latin. And she says, it says something like moving through the movable or movement in motion, something like that. And Esther's just standing around, like turning in a circle. And she says, this ship's angry. It feels angry to you, doesn't it? And then Anna's like, how am I supposed to respond to that? She says, well, it's a beautiful ship. It's scary and overwhelming too. And Esther said, and angry. So you have to be careful, Anna. And then Ophelia looks down back at them and she's like, well, so far so good. Then she calls out for Luca and his voice is like reverberating through the bottom of the floor or something. And he's like, yeah, engine room, it's quite safe down here. And Ophelia raises his eyebrow and she says, so he says, I hope he's right this time. And Elena's like, I thought you said there haven't been any more accidents or what'd you call it, mishaps? And she's like, well, no serious ones, but then all of us can be grumpy this way and it says oh hooray deeper into a grumpy submarine then luca appears and he's wearing greasy overalls and he has a pipe wrench and he's like anna perfect timing perhaps you can help me convince the nautilus not to be quite such a prima donna this morning eh this is a, there's a secret door that i've been dying to open chapter 33 starts off like this considering my family's history with this ship i wish luca hadn't used the phrase dying to open Says, then again, I spent enough time with Nalena to know that cephalopods get tunnel vision when they're working on things that intrigue them, and nothing could be more intriguing than the Nautilus. So Luca leads them down the stairwell into what she assumes is the engineering room. There's, aboard most subs, you know, the engine room would be a hot and cramped space, but no surprise, the Nautilus is a different story. So the chamber is paneled floor to ceiling with, like, reflective pneumonium which makes it look even bigger than it actually is and yeah it's like this giant scene kind of close to something you would think to see in Willy Wonka on the chocolate factory and Nalena's like squealing as she notices all these stuff and Luca laughs and he's like I know I had the same reaction when I first stepped into this room and then Nalena's like this one looking at a button super cavitation drive you can't be serious and then Ophelia crosses her arms and she's like if only we could get it to work, but yeah, it appears Nemo succeeded. And then Anna's like, super cavitation? Super califragilisticexpialidocious? And she's like, what? And Elena's like, cav drive is next level proportion. The world's best navies are researching it now, but no one's gotten it to work yet. You create a sheath of air around the nose of the sub so you have zero water resistance. Then bang, you hit the engine and... Well, in theory, you could shoot across the ocean at any depth at extreme velocity, more like a bullet than a boat. And Esther shivers, and she's like, that explains how Nemo covered so much distance in the books. He just popped up all around the globe. They can never really catch him. Do you guys feel cold? And then Luca's like, through there is the cold fusion reactor. It takes hydrogen directly from the ocean, eternal combustion power with no waste. In case that breaks down for some reason, Nalina, you aren't going to believe this. The backup generator is coal burning. And then Nalina coughs and she's like, what? 
And Luca is like laughing, and he's like, "That's right. Nemo skipped a century of science. He leaped, fr he leapfrogged from steam engines to cold fusion. I've thought about replacing the coal burner with something less Victorian, but..." And then a creaking groan echoes through the ship, and Top is barking now. And Ophelia turns around and she's like, "Was that?" And then she says, "Sonatilus acting grumpy." Esther said she doesn't like talking about modifications. Uh, okay. And then Anna says, what does the Nautilus like? And Esther's running her hand over the console and she says, well, she appreciates being cleaned and fixed up. She likes that. And Luca says, ah, you see, this is why she enjoys my company so much. And Ophelia says, well, she tolerates you anyway. She knows you're useful to her. And Anna's trying to get the conversation back on track. And she says, Luca, you said that there was a secret door. And he says, yeah, they're here. So he leads her to this hatch that's kind of tucked in a corner behind some giant pistons. And it's not really a door, but kind of like a service panel, like big enough for a kid to squeeze through. But there's no visible lock or handle. And Anna asks if he knows what's inside. And he hesitates, but Ophelia answers and said, We found several panels like this throughout the ship, and we suspect that they allow access to the Nautilus's core processor. Her brain, if you will. After a century and a half under the sea, her other systems required quite a lot of cleaning and repair. We suspect her cord is too, but... And then Luca finishes. She's reluctant to let someone fool around with her brain. Understandable, of course, and I'll try not to force the panels. And Esther says, no, she probably wouldn't like that. And Luca says, but if we could clean out these hatches, I suspect it might help all of us, especially the Nautilus. Anna looks at it, and then she asks Esther... You got any advice? And she says, well, be careful. And she's like, that's very helpful. Thank you. Sarcastically. She says, you're welcome. One of Esther's many superpowers, she is impervious to sarcasm. So Anna places a hand on the hatch and she says, Nautilus, we'd like to clean inside here. We'll be extremely careful not to damage you. Would that be all right? And then the panel clicks and opens and Luca's beaming and he's like, wonderful. May I? And so he goes inside and he pulls out a large wad of gunk. It looks like algae. It could be seaweed. Some sort of goop. And then he holds it up and he's like, you see? It's a miracle the Nautilus still functions at all. Oh, Anna, imagine what she'll be able to do once we get her cleaned up properly. You are the key to... Foom. The sound basically shakes the floor and it rattles her eye sockets. And Ophelia braces herself against the wall. And then everyone's quiet, but it doesn't happen again. And Anna's like, that sounded like... Luca says, it's the pipe organ. And Ophelia murmurs, it's never done that before. And Anna's like, the what? And then Ophelia says, I think it's time to show Anna the bridge. Chapter 34 starts off like this. The first thing you want to install in your high-tech super sub? A pipe organ, of course. Duh, of course. So they're walking around towards this room, wherever this pipe organ is. And Luca grips the back of what was clearly the captain's chair, and he says, is here is where we found Nemo. And then Ophelia swats his arm and says, ah, they did not need to hear that. And then Lucas says, well, I thought Anna might want to know he died at his station. We considered trying to extract some of the DNA, but uh, ethical considerations aside, it soon became clear that the Nautilus would not tolerate any clever tricks to bypass her systems. She must choose her captain. It has to be a living Dakar. And Ophelia rolls her eyes and she says, We've tried to activate more of the ship's systems, but the captain's chair seems to govern access to everything critical. The propulsion, weapons, navigation, communications. And then she points to each of the control stations and then she faces her. 
Anna as if waiting. And then Anna figures out. She's like, of course. She probably wants me to sit down in the chair. She's like not trying to push it, but she's dying to know what would happen if I put my hand on one of those control spheres. Like, even for Luca and Ophelia, who've been so kind and, like, welcoming to them, it's hard for them to see her as a person and not as an all-purpose miracle tool. And Esther points to the pipe organ and is like, you should start there. And Luca coughs and he says, I'm afraid I don't know much about pipe organs. I tried to clean it as best as I could, but its more delicate pieces are still in bad shape. I'm sure it needs tuning, however a person tunes an organ. And then Anna's like, I have no idea, but I took piano lessons. So she tries to recall something that she could try and play. And then Esther suggests that she should play something. She apparently thinks that the ship would like that. So she's still standing up. She places her fingers on the lowest keyboard and they're very cold, like obviously because they haven't been played in years. And so she tries out to play something and you know, she starts to play something, and the next minute, Luca and Ophelia are staring in amazement because lights have turned on, the control panels are now illuminated, and four locusts holographic display float above the control station like a line of ghostly planets. It seems the Nautilus liked their song, and Luca said, Anna, today is going to be a wonderful day. And chapter 35 starts out like this. When Luca says wonderful, he means so busy you'll never be able to sit down. So basically, for the rest of the morning, she led tours for the Nautilus for her other classmates, taking only a few of them at a time. And before each time they entered, she would talk to the Nautilus just to let her know what was happening. And Esther served as a submarine interpreter, warning everyone to be considerate of the ship's feelings. And she's like, I'm not sure what our classmates thought of this, but they were willing to humor her. And of course, Top was tagging along and sniffing every control button. And so by lunchtime, their entire freshman class had been on board at least once, and they were all left smelling faintly of mildew and vanilla air freshener. And so Luca's wanting to get all the freshmen together to help start to clean the Nautilus. So that's going to be interesting. And that is all for today's episode. Thank you for listening to Reading by Flashlight. This was chapters 31 through 36 and make sure to come back next week for 36 through 40. Bye!